Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss Minnesota mental health milestones, California oil spill implications on health, and the funding of entrepreneurs by J&J. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 106 for the week of October 11th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Maria Mulgrew. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is X19.XXXA or contact with other heat or hot substances, initial encounter. Mm-hmm. So sounds, um, I guess this is about food. Yeah, it sounds a little <laughs> <spicy>. <laughs> it's a little spicy. Yeah, it's um, a spicy of a of a diagnosis code. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling the heat, you could say. Okay. Okay. What? Yours is yours is better than mine. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're right. <laughs> I'm drawing the line at it's it's a little it's I'm feeling a little hot with this, you know. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's the, the perfect spot. You know, to... Might start sweating. I'm definitely the type of person who if the food is too hot, I start sweating. You start sweating. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my nose starts running. And it gets it, it gets pretty violent, but I like spicy food, so I don't mind it. I love spicy food, but I get the nose running thing too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I never, like, why are you crying? Right. Like I won't do it on a first date, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't like a, I'm not going to eat spicy food on the first date. <laughs> no, not at all. Cause nobody really wants to see that. You have to know yeah. what's underneath to be able right. to take in right. that. Before that I start crying over spicy <laughs> right. food, <and laughs> I'd be super vulnerable. Nothing brings right. makes, that, makes people more vulnerable than eating hot barbecue wings yeah i mean it's true brings all my walls down (laughs) let's get into the news first up we have minnesota mental health milestone coinciding with mental illness awareness week children's minnesota is announcing plans to open an inpatient mental health center at its saint paul hospital in the latter half of 2022 annually the center is expected to care for more than 1,000 children and adolescents meeting the urgent mental health needs of the most vulnerable kids in Minnesota and the region. The inpatient unit will be the first in the East Metro to serve kids under 12 years old and one of the few in the state to admit all kids, even those with other complex medical conditions. The center will provide a healing environment specifically designed for kids and youth and will include 22 large private rooms that will allow parents to stay overnight with their child, designed to focus on safe access to the outdoors, natural light, and calming sensory-friendly spaces, and a multidisciplinary care team, including psychiatrists, psychologists, licensed clinical social workers, nurses, and expressive arts therapists who will provide individualized treatment tailored to meet each kid's needs. Oh, that was a mouthful. You got it, though. We got there. That's um that's actually amazing. That's really cool. Um, I have yeah, my undergraduate in psychology actually, and mm-hmm. Matt, I know you, you know a bit about psychology too. Yeah, because I'm a basket case. I mean, no, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's um really important to be able to understand that, you know, what kids are going through shouldn't be downplayed and should be taken very seriously because if it's something um that needs treatment it's it's much harder to treat when they're an adult and it gets a lot more serious so if you could kind of nip it at the bud so to speak that's awesome and the fact that they can have parents stay overnight so the child's not absolutely traumatized that's great 
Right. With sensory friendly spaces. That sounds like a place. Honestly, it sounds like a place that would be helpful for adults too, to be honest. I, you know, I'm honestly, <laughs> if my whole house could just, it sounds really nice. Can <laughs> like, I stay there? Like the what, natural light, first of all. Mm -hmm. I know I don't have a lot of that where I live. Um, yeah, there's a lot of barking dogs where I live. It's not that calming. It's not good sensory. It's, it's not sensory. great sensory. Um, but yeah. Good no, stuff. It's you know, good stuff. Exciting. Yeah. For That's sure. Nothing cool. but the best around here. Yeah. Way to go, Minnesota. Minnesota's doing it. Now we just uh, need it in all the other states. We'll yeah. get there. Well, one step at a time. One step at a time here. <laughs> all right. So on to the next oil health disaster. And I did read a little bit about this, so I'm going to be interested to read more right now. Public health and environmental officials in Southern California are scrambling to try to contain a massive oil spill that has caused an estimated 126,000 gallons of oil to seep into the ocean near Orange County. The spill is a result of a pipeline breach that happened about five miles off the coast of Huntington Beach. The OC Healthcare Agency has currently closed beaches down the coast, noting that the organization, in coordination with local, state, and federal authorities, will continue to monitor the situation. Residents are being asked to avoid exercising, swimming, surfing, fishing, or walking their dogs near impacted beaches and wetlands for now. Whether you breathe them in or physically come in contact with them, chemicals and oil can cause skin, eye, nose, and throat irritation, headache, dizziness, upset stomach, vomiting, and cough or shortness of breath. Uh, yeah. So this isn't good. I didn't no, hear it's about not. it, though. Did they? 126,000 gallons is a lot of boil. I couldn't even imagine. It, it's 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 weird to think about, though. I was thinking about it as I read that. I'm like, that's a lot. But then you think about the entire ocean. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like not, it's like <laughs> but not that still, But still, it's not good. Um, How much oil was in the BP one? I don't know, actually. I feel like it was like millions of gallons. Right. I, okay, it was 210 million gallons. That's insane. Holy. So that's like, how many times is that more than this? Here, hold on. I, we well, got to do some calculations. Let me do, let me do a little bit of math. <laughs> Let's take Keep the audience busy for a second. Divided by 126,000. Oh, wait, you're already on it. Okay. It's... uh. 1,660, so 1,666 times the size of this oil spill. Not to make it seem like it's not no, that no, big yeah. of a deal. We're not but, downplaying it. We just enjoy math. Yeah, we just like, you know, we just like to do algebra and yeah. algorithmic equations. Sometimes it's good to compare yeah. to past oil spills because we right. just don't seem to get it together. Um, I don't know if you know this, but... One of the best ways to clean up oil spills in your garage if your car is leaking oil is cat litter. Oh. In this instance, I don't think cat litter is going to work. No. I don't mm -hmm. really know how they handle or clean up oil spills. I was actually about to world. ask that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Idea. I would assume I they would maybe dump in a they just... different kind of chemical to yeah, eat the way Maybe um, there's got to be something out there that eats oil, right? Yeah, because you're not, not gonna grab it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> gonna, you could scoop it. You could suck it up with a a, a shop I mean, vac. 
I suppose but you could just like you need a, a lot of shop backs for that many yeah, gallons. For sure. Okay, let's do some more math here. Hundred. <laughs> how many gallons of water can a shop back suck up? Let's see. Like two. <laughs> it's a four to ten gallons. Oh wait, 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 wait. Wet dry vacuums ranging in capacity from one gallon up to twenty gallons. So if oh, okay. you take one hundred and twenty-six thousand gallons and divide it by twenty. You're gonna be. Um, are you doing the math? Six thousand right three hundred shot backs. So. So all we have to do is get six thousand three hundred shot backs. Mm -hmm. Get to the coast. And and just suck it up. Yep. Easy. We should work in the oil spill <laughs> industry. I don't know anyways, why they haven't called us yet. Anyways. <laughs> Johnson & Johnson Funding Entrepreneurs. Johnson & Johnson is looking to tackle several issues related to health inequalities for people of color in a new program called the Health Equality Innovation Challenge. The corporation announced the challenge saying that investing in community-based solutions will be an essential component to closing the racial health and mortality gap. The company is seeking innovative solutions from entrepreneurs, innovators, and local community-based organizations that are addressing health issues in Black and Latino communities specifically. The company has a $600,000 award to selected applicants. It will also be offering mentorship opportunities from public health safety experts and access to its J Labs ecosystem, which its head of the company called the No Strings Attached, No Equality Taking Innovation Incubator of Johnson & Johnson in 2018 when JPod opened up the Penovation Center. There's a lot of buzzwords in this. There story. is. I was like, okay, wait, J-Pod, Penovation, J-Labs. J-Labs, j, -Labs. j, -Labs, j, -J. Uh, How many J's do we have? Let's do some more. Johnson & Johnson, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot Two uses of Johnson & Johnson, so that's four J's, plus J-Labs, that's five, <laughs> plus J-Pod, that's six. So just in Too case many. you guys wanted to keep the math thing going, you now know how many J's were in this story. It was a lot. But this is also... I amazing <laughs> no yeah sure it is good you know yeah. all jokes aside it is a helpful uh push especially by a organization that's as big as johnson and johnson because i feel like a lot of times most people when they think of big corporations they think of bad things and right. they think of ulterior motives and it doesn't really seem like there might be an ulterior motive here so good stuff i mean maybe there is but you know i'm gonna say on the brighter side you know glass half full kind of guy over here Absolutely. And the um, example, I'm sure we're all aware of at this point, you know, um, there are issues that are definitely related to health inequalities for people of color. And one of those things that we've seen is with COVID. Um, mm -hmm. So just kind of going to hopefully tackle some of the issues that are underlying with that and all sorts of other health issues, too. Agreed. Agreed. I also am interested in knowing what J Labs is and the J Pod. I don't know. They didn't really go over <laughs> like what and, is. Know, they're just some, some. They're just some things out there. I think yeah. maybe J Labs ecosystem is like a research thing, and J Pod is the result of J Labs. <laughs> maybe you think so? Because it's a pod or an incubator, right? So like, sure. You know, I don't know. All right. Well. And with that, let's go into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome right. to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Take it away, Maria. It's all you. All right. Well, this seems very sad. 
uh, ransomware causes baby's death. A new lawsuit alleges that a baby born at Spring Hill Medical Center in Alabama later died due to diminished care that resulted from a 2019 healthcare ransomware attack. The case marks the first public claim that a patient's death was directly tied to a ransomware attack. Tirani Kidd, the baby's mother, filed the lawsuit on behalf of her daughter. According to the lawsuit, Kidd was not aware that Spring Hill Medical Center was in the middle of a ransomware attack when she arrived at the hospital to deliver her daughter. The lawsuit alleged that doctors and nurses failed to conduct multiple tests that would have revealed that the umbilical cord was wrapped around her daughter's neck due to the distraction of the ongoing ransomware attack. The baby was born with severe brain damage and passed away nine months later. Sheesh. That's heavy. We went from talking about J-pods to this. Yeah. Um, so this is actually a very pivotal case in the terms of ransomware in the nation, especially with healthcare organizations. So hopefully um, if you're a healthcare organization and you happen to be listening to this, you need to start taking ransomware seriously. If you haven't heard the warnings that I've been putting out since the beginning of this flipping podcast. Take the um, warning down. Yeah, because I don't I don't think that the hospital can win this. This is like gonna set the precedent for for everything. Based on how this goes, like if if the if the judge decides to, to side with the baby and it does seem the baby's family, it does seem like you know they have a case here. It's like hey you guys couldn't perform what the care that my baby needed because right. of this ransomware attack because you didn't protect your your information right. so now you need to pay me and that just seems like the, that seems like the side if i was a judge you know i'm not a judge but that's the side that i would probably take because it's like well i mean you have a duty of care that you need to uh you know satisfy and you didn't do that in this case so whether it be from ulterior motives or otherwise yeah, I just, it's just strange to me how, like, the, the doctors and nurses were so distracted. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. That's, it's strange yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. but, it oh is, well. it is like, this is like another level of ransomware problems. So the healthcare organization got the ransomware, had to deal with figuring out how to not, pay the ransomware and get their data back without mm -hmm. exposing their patient's data, but they already exposed their patient's data by having the ransomware occur at their organization. So they have to deal with the Department of Health and Human Services already. And then um, on top of that, a couple of years later, they're getting this lawsuit. So I it's see. like a never ending cycle of, yeah. of bad news. Yeah. Well, anyways, we should follow that story as it, as it continues to mature. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what the judge will will say. Next up, five years of compromised data. Disclosed in an SEC filing on September 27th, Cineverse admitted that an individual or organization gained unauthorized access to databases within its network. While the disclosure occurred in late September, it appears the breach lasted for many years, starting from May of 2016 and running until May of 2021. This incident could involve a breach affecting hundreds of millions of people, if not billions. Cineverse declined to disclose the scale of the breach to Motherboard, which I don't know what that organization is, but we'll look into it in a second, nor the kind of data affected by it. A report source who works at a carrier offered 
that the types of data could include lots of metadata, such as the length and cost of a call or message, phone numbers, locations, and the content of text messages. Okay, so we need to figure out who Cineverse is, and we need to figure out who Motherboard is. Cineverse. I'm looking at Motherboard right now. Uh-huh. A company that routes SMS from all major U.S. carriers. So it seems like they are a partner with organizations that do phones to deal with text messages. So they must be the, like, whenever you send a text message, it must go through Cineverse and then somehow get facilitated between the carriers or something. Yeah. I don't know. But um, they're big, for sure. So this organization is massive. What's motherboard? I'm trying to see. Hold on a second. Okay. What mm -hmm. is this? It's a bit of reading that comes with it. Okay. All right. Some literature. Some literature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but apparently they looks like they have a lot of complaints. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. Is the main printed circuit board? Oh, no. Nope. That's nope. Uh... <laughs> literally, that's just, we're okay. <laughs> you just, <laughs> no, no. That's See, the computer there's... part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was on. I don't, I, so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm assuming that motherboard is the, is the organization that found the breach or did the report on the breach that that they found through the SEC filing from September 27th. So they just must be the facilitator from a media perspective. And that's what we're going to go with. Um, yeah. So having the phone numbers, not that big of a deal. Locations, not that big of a deal. That's stuff you can already find on Facebook a lot of times because people just post everything about their lives these days. Yeah. Um, cost of a call. Don't really know what a cost of a call necessarily is unless it's international. Um, and then the biggest thing is the content of text messages. Now, if there's right. billions of people affected, that means there's probably trillions and trillions of text messages to sort through. But I imagine that whoever got this information, if they did actually get this information, can probably search through specific messages for keywords mm -hmm. like password and username and things like that. And I'm sure yeah. people have sent passwords and usernames through text messages because I certainly have. You know, I'm not perfect. From Nobody's a cybersecurity perfect. standpoint, <laughs> but well, uh, yes, yeah, probably sent their their credit card information too. I wouldn't put it past that's true. the general public. So that's true. Oof. Social security numbers too, I imagine. Yeah, that's that's another one. All sorts of all sorts of important numbers. Yeah, so you know, um, I guess we'll wait to see what happens with this one as well. It seems I like really it's still in I want to know what motherboard is, and I'm going to look it up later, and it's then I'll come back board. next week. <laughs> It's a circuit board, guys. <laughs> it just goes into your computer. So yeah, it's easy. Super easy. <laughs> so the last one, uh, financial data sold. Neiman Marcus is the latest victim of a data breach exposing personal and financial information of approximately 4.6 million customers. The company revealed it learned in September that an unauthorized party accessed customer names and addresses, credit card information, and gift card numbers back in May of 2020. It did not explain how more than a year has passed between the breach and its discovery. The company said it notified law enforcement and hired a cybersecurity firm to investigate the circumstances around the breach. 
As part of its response, Neiman Marcus notified all affected customers about the breach and is requiring them to reset their online account passwords if they have not done so since May of 2020. The company has set up a hotline and a website for affected customers to call or log into for more information. That seems sketchy. Whoa. So Neiman Marcus is a handbag designer? Clothing, shoes, handbags, and beauty. About, yeah, it's like fashion. Oh, um, wow. They didn't say something for a year, was it? Is this what they said? Yeah, so it seems like a company revered, it learned, it didn't know that this happened until September, but Mm -hmm. it occurred in May of 2020. Yeah. So does that mean that the person had access from May of 2020 until September of 2021? Maybe. That's kind of what they're trying to figure out right now, I think. Uh, That's, I mean, that's, that's not good. No, no, because <laughs> that's, that's that's all of their customers. I imagine four point six million customers. I mean that that hotline has to be that's, blowing up every day. That's what's crazy is the reason why, you know, you go to any kind of service or any kind of app or any kind of store online, and they require that you create a username and password, and then right. that username and password stores your your financial information, your personal information, and the reason why they make you do that is. Number one, number one before anything else is marketing. So they can target and send you emails and figure out what your how much money you spend at this place and what you like and things like that so that you can get targeted ads. ads. That's number one. And it's just it's just crazy because then it ends up making everyone super vulnerable to data exploits um, where you shop information like that just seems like it's some some dystopian cybersecurity lacking future and that's where we're at right now which is kind of terrible i don't i mean i just i don't know i don't it just seems like that it's never there's never going to be an end to this there's got to be some sort of breaking point at some point where organizations have no choice maybe it's through the government or something like that to to make sure that they're following these cybersecurity laws but it's also like there's so many ways that hackers can exploit you that it just seems like it can never really end right it just kind of seems like i mean you can put all your money and resources into making something like this not happen. But eventually, if you're big enough, especially, especially you're going to be targeted. So, right. Um, that's pretty bleak, huh? <laughs> so with that, you know, <laughs> still, you know, it, trying you know, to it be started on a high there. note and then it just spiraled and went <laughs> right. super negative. But that's OK, because that's where we're here. We're here yeah. to give you the facts. Exactly, with coping mechanisms in the form of comedy. So right. just laugh yeah. it off. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Coping mechanisms. <laughs> Rub yeah. some dirt in it. You're just good. Just laugh it off. The world just is ending and yeah. you know, whatever. But. All right. Sure. Well, that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Maria Mulgrew. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.